follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaVariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to P.I.'s Declassified, an inside look at the world of private investigators. Your host is Francie Kaler, a noted private investigator. Francie and her guests take you behind the scenes and into the genuine, sometimes gritty business of investigation. You'll hear stories from the trenches with plenty of surprises. Here's your host, Francie Kaler. Good morning. We have a provocative topic this morning, infidelity. So what do you think are the warning signs of infidelity? Are there specific clues? Is there lipstick on the collar? Is there sp- suspicious text messages or phone calls? Is your spouse spending a lot of time in chat rooms? Well, can a private investigator help? And if so, what should you expect? Are real private investigators like those on TV and in the movies? So today we have private investigator Kelly Riddle coming to us from San Antonio, Texas to answer all these questions. Kelly has more than 30 years of investigation experience. He's the owner of Texas-based Kelmore and Associates Incorporated. He earned his BS degree in criminal justice from the University of North Alabama. His prior law enforcement experience includes being a SWAT team member, training officer, EMT, evidence tech, arson investigator, juvenile specialist, and also a traffic investigator. He kind of covered all the spectrums there. He's been designated as an expert in several investigative disciplines, and he holds a certified investigator designation. In addition, he's authored, can you believe this, 10 books. I don't know how he has time to do this. Published more than 40 articles. He was chosen PI of the Year by the National Association of Investigative Specialists. He was named as number one PI in the U.S. by PI Magazine. He was chosen as one of the top 25 PIs in the 20th century. And he's also a member of many private investigator trade associations. But he's currently the president for the Texas Association of Licensed Investigators. He's a board director of Freedom of Information Foundation of Texas. And he serves on the PR Committee for Council of International Investigators. He's a founding board member and advisor for a nonprofit called Can You Identify Me? And he's the founder and president of both PI Institute of Education and Association of Christian Investigators. So today's topic, Cheating Spouses, a Betrayal of Trust. I introduce you to Kelly Riddle. Hi, Kelly. Morning. How are you all? I'm really good. So, you know, people always want to know how you got from law enforcement to being a PI or how you ever even thought about being a PI. Could you fill us in on that? Absolutely. This is – I'm one of the fortunate individuals who – 
I'm doing exactly what I've always wanted to do. I didn't just stumble into this. And ever since I was as far back as I can remember, this is exactly what I wanted to do. So um, I got into law enforcement and spent seven years in law enforcement and finished my degree in criminal justice. And at that time, I got accepted by several federal agencies and local law enforcement agencies. And I was actually trying to get out of law enforcement at that time. And and so I got hired by a an insurance company to do their insurance investigations. And at the time, now they call them special investigative units. They didn't have that title back then, but that's essentially what they were. And uh, I was hired away from them by an, a business that had 26 offices throughout the, uh, throughout the world, actually, uh, to open up their insurance division. And about two years later, they sold out to Pinkerton's, of all people. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, ended up having to have a job. So I was one of those individuals that never thought that I would ever write a book and never thought that I would be an entrepreneur and own my own business. And here now I've been in business 24 years and written 10 books, as you mentioned. Amazing. Amazing. So what made you decide to leave law enforcement and go into the private sector? Um, really, it was motivated by a lot of issues, one of which was upward mobility. I was in a department that only had about 150 uh, police officers, and there was a there was a point where you just were not going to go any further than that, uh, plus the fact that, you know, I've always wanted to be an investigator, private investigator, and so it just was the right time, uh, you know, and, and just worked out perfectly for me. And, and my minor in college, by the way, was business management, and so part of that whole scheme is being able to market your business, and that was, uh, you know, I kind of came forth with that. And so when you were a kid, you wanted to be a PI? Absolutely. Did yeah, you really? I, yeah, I watched all the police shows and Rockford Files and Adam 12 and all that stuff. So I, I, it's what I always wanted to do. Oh, that's fabulous. That's great. Okay, so now we're going to talk about infidelity and cheating spouses today, but that's not the major part of your practice, is it? No, it's not. We do a lot of corporate work, uh, insurance work still, insurance insurance fraud, and one of our big specialties now is 18-wheeler and cargo theft. If you think about all the 18-wheelers and cargo that's on our highways, you can imagine how much of it's getting stolen and rerouted. So that's that's huge. And uh, one of my niches was nursing home abuse investigation. So I've developed, developed four or five niches over the years. Hmm. That's very, very interesting. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, cheating spouses. Um, you've been. How did you decide to get into that area? I actually refused to do it for about three years uh, <laughs> when I first opened my business because you hear all the war stories as private investigators about uh, clients and their emotions and all those kind of things. So, um, about three years into my uh, operation, I had a an attorney that I did a lot of work for that basically said, I don't care what it costs. My client doesn't doesn't matter. We need you to do this. And uh, and it turned out to be a very, very lucrative uh, opportunity. And so it kind of opened my eyes to the fact that, you know, there there is another side of this coin. And I took a harder look at it. And it has proven to be uh, just that, a very lucrative business, that, but part of the business. But it's also been one of those that you do have to deal with the emotions. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. so my my former partner is a marriage and family counselor that's where the kel and the mar comes from in, the, in my company name is is uh, my first three letters of my uh, my name and first three letters of his name and so it's not uncommon for me to refer clients over to him uh, hmm. because it is an emotional situation for sure well so when 
somebody comes to you, uh, do they typically come to you directly or through an attorney? Uh, about half and half. You know, some of them don't want to wait on the attorney and they don't want to go hire an attorney and use in the expense of that until after they've gotten the proof. So when somebody comes to you, what what do you say to them? How do you how do you handle that contact? Well, the first thing I want to know is is what kind of proof do they have? Is it, is it just suspect at this point or have they actually uh, caught them? What's the telltale signs, basically? And a lot of times they just say, well, I don't know. He just, he's just not coming home uh, as, as regular as he used to. And there's just some things like that, that that's got their, their, their feathers kind of ruffled. And then there's other ones that have said, no, no, he's already, he's already admitted to it. And uh, what I want to find out now is whether or not he has actually ended the relationship. Mm-hmm. And, and so, and let, let me also say here, when we first started doing this, it was probably 90% of males cheating on the wives, and now it's at least 50%. I was just going to ask you that because you said he. I was wondering if what the percentages were. Yeah, it's changed dramatically. It's at least 50-50. Interesting. And do you find that most people who have a suspicion, it turns out they were right or the other way around, or is it 50-50? We, we actually track those results, and so right now we're at a 99.3% uh, of success, what we consider success, and that's finding the person and identifying that they are involved in an extramarital affair. So it's very, very rare that we don't find someone cheating. So if somebody is going to the point of contacting a private investigator with suspicions, then based on sometimes no more than – their gut instinct, right? Absolutely, and that's and that's usually what I tell them. I, I tell them, you know, first of all, the very fact that you're contacting me tells me that you know there's there's a suspicion here, and and uh, so what I want to know at that point is what are the telltale signs? What have you picked up on and and uh, developed at this point? Do you do you actually know who the paramour is? Do you suspect who it is? Uh, you know, what is what is the activities that that you want us to center on? Because a lot of times they'll go, well, I know exactly because they, they, they've actually done some illegal things by putting something on their computer or on their cell phone and they've gotten information off of that that tells them that there's a, a meeting coming up and they want us to be there for that meeting. Mm-hmm. And, and there lies the problem. You know, we're, we're in a very technology-driven te- technology uh, environment now worldwide, not only in the PI profession. So, you know, there is those things out there that people can put on computers and cell phones, but it's not – always legal to do that and Correct. so there lies there lies the, the you know the problem i have to tell them a lot of times well you know that kind of stuff you have to be careful with and you need to run it by your attorney because you might have just broken the law <laughs> exactly and you're not going to be the one that does it either correct <laughs> oh absolutely not no we don't do that don't do don't do that at all we don't do the entrapment thing either where we put a you know good looking blonde in in a bar and and uh try to get them to to hit on the, the on the subject i mean we our job is to Watch, observe, and document, and whatever that activity is or is not is what we you know return to the client and how many times, Kelly, do you find that even when you get give them hard evidence, they really still don't believe it It's actually very seldom because because again, they already kind of know and they just haven't gotten the the concrete evidence yet, so most of the time it's it's the opposite they're not thinking about what are they going to do with that evidence so in our initial contact with the client, we, we 
breach that subject. We say, all right, if we call you and tell you that we've got some, some pretty incriminating evidence here, what is your next step? And most of the time they look at us like a deer in the headlight because they haven't thought about it. <laughs> they know? haven't thought about that step. Right, exactly. So, you know, their, their whole thing is i got to catch them, got to catch them, got to catch them, and not what am I going to do with it. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so um, so how do you – I mean, you have, you typically have um, a place to go or are you finding that people are asking you they, – they don't really know, they don't have – they, they know the schedule, but they don't really know when it's going to happen or when they think it's going to happen. How do you deal with that? They, uh, they, they typically do not know uh, when this is going to happen. So what we do is formulate it around general patterns of an individual. If they work an eight-to-five job and they leave the house at 7 o'clock and with traffic and dropping off kids at the school or whatever, and they've got just enough time to get to work, well, chances are it's not happening then. So the next available time, assuming that it's a, an office position where they're not a route salesman or outdoor, you know, where they can travel, uh, next time is lunch. And... Again, we don't normally watch them on lunch on, during the lunchtime at that moment. First thing we always do is, is watch them after they get off work. Mm-hmm. And, and that's usually the telltale sign because they, they don't come right home or, you know, and what they do normally dictates to us whether or not they're seeing another person that's married or not. Because if we follow them to a restaurant and they go to the bar and they sit there and say, a female or a male shows up and they're talking and communicating and everything else. Uh, they may have a drink and that may be it for that day. So it, that tells us that their uh, schedules are just not such where they can sneak away at that moment in time. So mm-hmm. we, we tr- traditionally will watch them three or four days after work until they get home. And normally in that time frame, we pick up on who it is. And then all we have to do is, is you know, actually catch them. And and by catching them, it's not like on TV where you catch them, you know, in a hotel room and in Mm -hmm. bed and all that kind of stuff. It's normally the the type of video that you get where they're leaning over and kissing each other in the car or they're, you know, they're hugging, they're holding hands. One of them's patting the other one on the on the derriere and those kind of things. So Mm -hmm. it's not although we have caught them where they're just, you know, completely naked and in the backseat of the car. We have had those kind of things. So. And interesting mm-hmm. enough, when that happens, we normally call the police and, and report a suspicious person and let the police get them out of the car for us. <laughs> that would be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hang on to that thought, Kelly. Private investigator Kelly Riddle will return shortly. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call one 800 350 
C-A-L-I. For a national association, Francie's Choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. Private investigator Kelly Rill has considerable experience ferreting out cheating spouses. Kelly, you were just saying how you called the police on somebody who is having sex in the back of the car and naked and so forth. Uh, I know you have great stories. Why don't you tell us a couple? Well, the question is which one to tell because there's so many of them, and these are the fun ones that I like to tell simply because it's, uh, you, know, it's, it, you just wonder what people are thinking at some point in time. But uh, one of them that I did was interesting because – the lady had actually met this individual on the internet and they had only met in a, in a one year period. They've only physically met twice and they decided to get married in Las Vegas. And after they married, he rushed her off, got on an airplane and flew her to Jamaica for the honeymoon. And just before they landed, he said, by the way, you're going to meet my other five wives. Oh, and, uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, he had this, what he thought, idea of a commune down there where they were going to all live and be happily ever after and everything. But what he actually had, uh, five different islands in the Caribbean where he had them all stashed and he had them nice in nice environments and nice houses and everything else. So, you know, I pushed the envelope a little bit and I started going to each one of the islands and I was following him from island to island. And the very first island was Jamaica. And I sat between beside him and his real wife at dinner one night, and I was, you know, conversing with him and talking about it and everything else. And I found out which island he would be going to next. So, you know, I followed him over there and and followed him to his wives and talked to them face to face. And I had them opening up the scrapbook, showing me marriage uh, photographs and all, all kinds of stuff. Wow. And I, I kind of pushed the envelope because I asked one of them. I said, "Can I?" Get a, she had a house housekeeper. I said, can your housekeeper take a picture of us together? And, uh, <laughs> and that's where she kind of goes, why do you need this? But uh, before it was all said and done, I documented that he, that he had, you know, five what he called wives, but he had separate uh, bank accounts for all of them and just crazy. I don't know how you keep up, you know, with more than one, one wife, but he seemed imagine. to be doing it. Yeah, I can't imagine. Yeah. So was he Jamaican or was he from the oh. United States? 
No, he was actually from the United States, and uh, he was a financial trader. And interesting enough, about a week after I was hired by by the uh, female, I got a call from a financial trader uh, trading group. And this gentleman that had suspected of of running off with uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of about $30 million, and they wanted to know if I could help track his assets. Hmm. And so I went to, I was up front with both of them, and I said, you know, I've got this client and, you know, vice versa. And they both agreed that I could do the investigation on both of them's behalf. Well, flying down to Jamaica, he was sitting there with a briefcase full of financial records. And for some reason, she, during the night, would take that information down to the front desk and copy it. So when I mentioned financial hmm. information, she says, oh, yeah, I've got a ton of stuff. <laughs> really? And, I mean, she just laid it out for me, and I had probably three inches uh, worth of paper that documented where his transactions were, and I mean it was great. Well, it takes a lot of money to support five wives. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I understand so. that. <laughs> <laughs> so, what it, what ended up happening with that, Kelly? Um, long story short, is is uh, she presented him with a settlement offer, what she considered, considered a settlement offer, and uh, showed him some of the photographs and video that, that I had obtained and he quickly reached a settlement with her and they had the, the marriage annulled and, and, uh, which was illegal anyway, because he was, he had a wife of about 30 something years, uh, who lived in California. So it was annulled and she got a financial, uh, remuneration for her troubles. And did his California wife ever hear, know anything about it? I don't know. You know, I always suspected that, that my client sent a package to each one of the wives, but I don't know that, but just, you know, you, you almost want to suspect that that's probably what happened, but that's one of those things you can't, you, you don't know what your client's going to do with that information once you give it to them. So you assume that they're doing it for a, you know, legal reason and they're, they're going to use it for a good purpose. Yeah. And the, the, uh, the asset investigation you did, did you did, did that um, was that just part of the settlement, or did that evolve into something else? No, that involved in, it evolved into something else, and they ended up getting about half of the money that they had found he had absconded with back, and he reached a settlement with them as well to stay out of jail. So, you know, you go from that extreme, and you mentioned uh, uh, on the break there about a case, another case, uh, and we had a client who was married to her husband for 25 years, and they had a, a 24-year-old and a 22-year-old son and daughter. And at one point, she opened up his briefcase and found condoms. And, of course, they were not going to have any more children, so she kept her cool. She hired us, and we started doing an investigation. Mm-hmm. And we found out that he had another family that lived in a town about three hours away, and the wives, both wives from a distance, looked identical, same body frame, same hairstyle. Mm. Uh, they were both named Jennifer, of all things. And uh, uh, so he had a, the mistress. He had had a relationship for 23 years and had a 19 and, and I think a 21-year-old son and daughter from them. And the mistress knew about the wife and those kids, but the family did not know about the mistress. And I also found that he had sent both of them to a state university. Uh, his son from his marriage to the state university and his daughter from the mistress's relationship to the same university at the same time. And we never could figure out if they actually met or, you know, oh been strange goodness. if they actually dated or something weird like that. But, but, um, he actually had 401k plans set up for both of them. And again, he was pretty financially well off, but, uh, but again, you know, same 
context, same, you know, if, uh, to me, and what I see most of the time, the men especially go for women that are not near as good looking as their wives. And in this case, I mean, hmm. this guy chose one that looked identical to his wife. So it's like, why, why would you even bother? <laughs> you know? that's, that's fascinating, actually. Yeah, that was a rather interesting one for us. But, you know, that these things go go on and on and on, and, and you just try to get into their psyche at some time, at some point, and say, you know, why are you doing this? And for us in in, in Texas, we have a lot of tourism, and in San Antonio in particular, tourism is our number one uh, uh, attribute in economy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we're a convention town, so we get a lot of spouses that want to watch their particular uh, uh, spouse while they're at a convention. And we have the river walk here. And so for us, it's actually pretty easy because inevitably they'll end up, you know, leaving the hotel, going out on the river walk to all the bars and the restaurants and everything else. And of course, everybody down there has video cameras. So all you have to do is get on the other side of the river and shoot across it and you get everything you want, you know, and, and it's just a matter of, of uh, following them back to the hotel and tucking them, tucking them in for the night at that point. Interesting. So if you're going to cheat, don't go to San Antonio, I think yeah. is the message there. Exactly. exactly. It's, so it's a big industry. What, what percentage of people do you think are cheating on their spouse? you well, have any I, knowledge of that? Yeah, you're talking about it just in general? Just in general, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, again, that's one of those things. What is what is the level of cheating? Because I've had some clients that say, all I need to know is that that he is going to lunch with this person, and that's more than enough for me. So I guess the question is, what constitutes cheating? You know, as as you and I would interpret it, is is physical, you know, sexual relationships. And so I I would have to guess that it's probably somewhere around thirty percent, and that's that may be low. Of course, cheating could be just being emotionally involved with somebody, right? Absolutely, absolutely, and that's what some people have asked us to do: is to track whether or not they're they're having conversations with them if they're on the internet with that individual. And and they said, you know, if that if they are, that is enough. If they've got that emotional tie, then you know the physicals are it will follow if it hasn't already. Yeah. Well, you know, we've had so many of the. I mean, we all see the famous cases that come on the news every. Seems like every week, almost. You know, we've had multiple elected officials: Elliot Spitzer, governor of New York, Mm -hmm. the famous one not too long ago, Governor Mark Stanford, South Carolina, um, who felt like he needed to go to Argentina. I guess. Um, What do you think that somebody that's in a male or female that's in a powerful position? either financially or in a corporate uh, powerful position, do you think they're more likely to cheat than maybe somebody that's a blue-collar worker or a, somebody well, in the, on the line? I think they have more opportunity to cheat. You know, it, it, And it's been proven that, that power in and of itself in a management power powerful uh, position attracts uh, that type of personality to them. And, uh, you know, the psyche most of the time wants to be near popular individual. That's why all, all the way back to elementary school, you know, the, the popular kids are the ones that everybody tries to emulate and everything else. So it's in our psyche to, to be drawn to those individuals. And the real test for them, if they're going to be prolific and in those kind of positions, is can they discipline themselves enough to, to not go down that road? And that's where a lot of them, as we see, have faltered. Uh, so 
but it it hits all stratus of the socioeconomic uh, you know environment because it is just what it is. I mean, it's a, it's it's the mystique of it. A lot of times is what people are after, and and again because women are in the workforce now, it's not not like it was back in you know the '60s and '70s where most of the time the the the, the woman stayed at home and raised the children. Now you have as many women out in the workforce and because of that they're you know they're they're in contact with their counterparts and and males and females that have that opportunity and they develop that because a lot of people are, are good individuals who don't mean to do it you know but they're around that individual day in and day out and they develop a a relationship and then from that comes the flirting and then from the flirting comes the physical and uh and it's just easier so you always want to think in your mind that it's the context if somebody is walking in, into a bar and picking someone up and you know or picking up a hooker right. or something of that nature but you know a lot of this is is actually relationships interesting and so um well, let, let's let's talk about this when we come back. Let's take a quick break. Uh, we'll be right back to discuss more on the betrayal of cheating spouses with private investigator Kelly Riddle. Back, we'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call one 800 350 C-A-L-I. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PIs Declassified. IRB Search is simply the best online data provider for locating people, businesses, and assets. IRB Search gives you strength in numbers. With one click, you can access billions of records. Even with partial information on your subject, IRB Search instantly returns current and past addresses, phone numbers, and more. Call IRB Search today at 1-800-447-2112 to sign up. Mention PIs Declassified and you'll receive a two-week trial of 100 free searches to get started. Call one 800-447-2112 to find out why IRB Search is simply the best. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to F-R-A-N-C-I-E 
at PISdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. We're talking today with Texas private investigator Kelly Riddle about infidelity and cheating spouses. And I was I was just going to say before the break, Kelly, that um, what what do you think of the difference between maybe um, finding somebody with a hooker and finding somebody in Involved in a emotional relationship. Well, it's uh, you know to to me and to to most of our clients, the emotional relationship is the problem because if it's a if it's a hooker, you know, it's not uncommon for them to say, well, we've had our problems because of medical conditions or you know just scheduling or whatever. And so I understand that people have urges, so they can at times bypass that. But when there's an, a, an actual emotional connection and relationship that's developed. Uh, it's pretty tough to get get by that one. Sure, and wh- and why do you think people cheat? Well, it's it's a lot of it's the the mystique of it of it all. It's more widely accepted now than it used to be. I mean, you know, again, uh, Texas has a lot of military bases, and it used to be a, uh, frowned upon if you were in the military if you fraternized with any anyone else uh, in your ranks and an officer with an enlisted and those kind of things and. Even though it's still on the books and are still regulations, there's so much of it now, so prolific that they've almost, you know, they barely slap their hands at this point. So, inevitably, I think that, like you mentioned before, some of the some of the stars, the personalities that we recognize, they seem to think that because of who they are, they won't get caught. And so you take that down to the general, average person, and that same mentality seems to be there. Yeah, and, and, you know, as I said to you on the break, it's, we sit and really watch in astonishment when, when somebody like President Clinton or Governor Stanford or Governor Spitzer, uh, comes out in the news that they've been caught what it, doing whatever they're doing. And it just, it seems amazing that somebody would be willing to throw away everything they have for just a few moments of pleasure. Yeah, it's really, it's really, uh, you know, it goes back to the, the type of society that we are right now. We're a transient society and everything has to be right now. And so, you know, the repercussions, you get slapped on the hand. And, and so it, it's just a kind of a speaks to our whole society right now on some levels. But, you know, bottom line with those type of individuals is even if you're prolific and even if the person that you're seeing uh, will keep their mouth shut, what about the concierge? What about, you know, the person at the restaurant, the bars? You know, someone's going to see you, and at some point it's going to come out, you know. So I, I just don't understand their mentality when it comes to that. Of course, they think they're not ever going to get caught. That's part of it, There lies the problem, and, you yeah. know, and, and – Again, technology is driving everything because with people with cell phones now, everybody's got a camera uh, accessible, readily accessible to them now. And, and uh, so you got to just assume that, you know, if you're out in public, you're going to get photographed. You have the potential of getting photographed. And I'm sure, you know, there's, there must be a certain uh, excitement about the risk involved, too. Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, once they're caught, there lies the problem because that part of it has been taken out of the scenario. And there is the risk that we were talking about if it's a relationship, even though the mystique of it has now been that let out, let out of the balloon, so to speak. Now you have to settle in and realize that they're still not going to break the ties with that individual because it's a bonded relationship versus, you know, just a fling or whatever you want to call it. Good point. Good point. Well, what would you say are some of the signs that people should look for? If we have listeners here. I'm sorry, go yeah, ahead. Absolutely. 
Yeah, I, I think you're smart to go down that road because uh, a lot of it is the person starts taking better care of their of their appearance and their presentation. You know, they start going to the gym again, working out. Uh, they go buy new clothes. They hide their cell phone. They're getting text messages and and uh, phone calls at all odd hours of the day and night. And a lot of times that tells us something as well. When the when the client tells us that, oh yeah, he's getting all these text messages and phone calls after hours, but he's saying that it's work related. Well, mm-hmm. that usually tells you that it's probably someone that he is working with, and they've developed a relationship. You know, so that might might be part of it. But but uh, goes down to the to the to the kind of the, what we call the meat and potatoes of, of it. You know, if they're if they're trying to hide their phone, their computer. I've had clients say that their husband locks their laptop up or he takes it with them everywhere they go. He puts the cell phone and the and the uh, laptop in the trunk of his car and he takes the keys into the bathroom with him. And, you <laughs> that know, would be a clue. <laughs> yeah. At that level, you got to go, all right, ding, 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 you know? Yeah. Yeah. So what can a private investigator do, Kelly? What, you know, what, I mean, we know, you and I both know that being a private investigator isn't like being Magnum or Rockford, but maybe our listeners don't know that. Exactly. It's a lot different than what's on TV. And first off, I would caution the listeners to realize that, you, you know, in the, the majority of states out there, I think there's only three states now that, that don't, uh, that does not have licensing requirements. So you first need to make sure that you're operating with a licensed and insured investigator, because if you get documentation and they try to present it in court, it may not be allowed because it's not coming from a licensed investigator. So secondly, they should offer you a contract which spells out what you're going to get, what the hourly rate is, what kind of retainer you would have to put down, and what you're going to get in return. And typically what we end up doing in our initial conversation is going through that process and, and telling them and in writing state that at the conclusion you'll get a full written report, you'll get video, you'll get any uh, copies of any records that we have, have uh, conducted throughout that investigation. And we generally use video because it's it's a lot easier to use than, than 35 millimeter cameras and so we can take still shots off of the video and, and embed that in the report. Um, and the video that they receive should be an unedited version. Now, if they want to have it edited, you know, we we always keep a copy. We keep the original and we give a copy because if it ever goes to court, we can say we have the original and, and uh, we can testify that it's not been edited or that we did edit it and here's the original and here's the edited version. Um, so they, they should get a work product, a finished work product that is professional, uh, written, and the, the video and documentation that goes along with that. And what do you do, Kelly, with a client that you think may be either emotionally un- unstable or maybe if they found out where this activity was taking place, they would go there personally? What would you do with somebody like that? Well, we actually have it in our contract that if they interfere with our investigation, they, they relinquish their retainer and we will discontinue the investigation at that point in time. And so we cover that. But uh, we have had a a situation back when we had analog radios, uh, the digital now, you don't have it, have this capability, but we had a situation where we were talking on the radio and we had three investigators and, and, uh, and I actually had got a call from the client as I was videoing and I laid my cell phone down thinking that I had turned it off and I didn't. So it was still on. And so they heard the conversation on the radio and we were talking about, yeah, they just pulled into this club. And, um, and so, you know, 
this is how we're going to handle it. And so we go inside, and about 30 minutes later, uh, the the subject we're watching is sitting in a back corner with this female. Well, the wife walks in, and the first thing she does is pick up a beer that was on the table and throws it in in uh, the the girlfriend's face and slaps her husband. You know, wow. so that's obviously not what you want to get in the middle of. So we were in the bar at that moment in time. So what we had to do is we just watched for a second. I told my guys, I said, don't do anything. Let's watch and see, you know, what happens because, you know, last thing we need to do is escalate it. So we stood there more as in a security position than, than, you know, than in rushing in. And as it turns out, that's all she did. She turned around and walked out and, and left. So we didn't blow our cover and, you know, she shouldn't have done that, but it could have, could have been worse. And so we sure. learned from that, and, and from that point on, you know, we do not call the client during the investigation until the next morning. And in your report, do you give them uh, locations and addresses and, and things like that? Yeah, we do at, at, at that point because, uh, you know, it, it is a product that they've paid for. And generally speaking, if we discuss, through our discussions, if we feel that like the person may be, a little on the emotional side, we ask them to bring somebody with them that they trust to the final interview, mm-hmm. uh, or we ask that we give it to their attorney if they have one. So uh, we had one like this yesterday, as a matter of fact, and, and we asked that her mother be present, and uh, her mother previewed everything and then had a conversation with her daughter and got her to settle down, and by the time she actually saw everything, uh, she was more of mentally prepared for it. Mm-hmm. Well, sure. It would take it would take a while for you to get, I guess, to get over it, to get yeah, over absolutely. the feeling of betrayal, because that's really what it is. It's a feeling of betrayal. Yeah, and emotions run high, you know. It, it's it, and you just don't know what the true relationship is between them and and those kind of things. And you know, going back to what you and I were talking about on break, one of the things we've also discovered is. In today's society, you assume a lot of times that it's a male and a female, but we've had a, a tremendous amount of cases where it turns out that they're cheating with someone of the same sex. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that opens up, a, you know, so you, you have to open up your eyes and say, all right, he's spending a lot of time with this guy over here, but, you know, is it more than just a friendship? Sure. And you probably get calls from gay couples as well, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah and, I would uh, think that. You know, and then, and again, for us, we have to develop more about their lifestyle at that point in time, and and uh, of course we know where where the gay clubs are, and uh, you know the places that just like heterosexuals go to a bar. Well, uh, a lot of times gays will have their own bars and places they hang out, and and uh, uh, so we have to kind of immerse ourselves in that environment and develop you know that mentality for that case because we need to know all right, you know, do they have money? Would they go to this club or would they go to this club because it didn't cost as much, you know, and uh, so you know a lot of a lot of different things you have to take into account at that point. Is Texas a no fault divorce divorce state? Yes, it is. So most states are like that now, aren't they? Pretty much, pretty much. And so you know, and people ask us, well, why am I hiring you then if uh, you know if I'm going to only get fifty percent regardless of of our assets? And my response to that is, well, number one, um, at some point you're going to want proof to show your family to show his family, you know, the other person's family. Uh, it may be, especially if you have kids that you need it for visitation and settling the child custody issues. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, we have videotaped 
individuals where they have been at a bar and we documented how many how many drinks they've had and then they get behind a, a car and uh, at that point you know we have a responsibility so we've actually called 911 and tried to get police to stop them because they're obviously drunk and intoxicated well while doing that we we try to video their driving as well so i mean if you get that kind of documentation at at the time that you're going through a divorce number one it's a negotiation tool that you can use because you know most people don't want to be embarrassed so you can say look i'm going to show this in court and this is what's going to come out and you know i'll plaster it all over you know everything you know all of your friends will know about it and and so it's a negotiation tool that you can use but that's a good just, point just as important is it can protect your kids okay all right let's come, be back in a moment stay tuned for more from pi kelly riddle Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PI's Declassified. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. My guest, Texas investigator Kelly Riddle, has been giving us some insight into the challenge of a cheating spouse. And Kelly, I'm just wondering, how many times do your results get into a legal arena? Well, very seldom do we actually have to testify in court. Um, usually what happens is, as I mentioned before, they use it in the, in the mediation and negotiation uh, purview. So they will take that and use it. And in, in Texas in particular, you have to go through mediation before you can actually go to trial. And a mm-hmm. lot of states are going to that now. So in the mediation process, they make it known that that information exists. And nine times out of ten, they settle before going to court. Mm-hmm. And and what advice if you have if we have listeners out there there that maybe have had the situation or think that maybe their spouse is cheating on what would you tell them to do? 
What's so, your best advice? Yeah, first thing is keep your cool, you know, because what you suspect and what is truth may be two totally different things. And what they should do is prepare themselves uh, to hire a private investigator, and that is get the license plates on the vehicles that he that the person drives. Uh, you know, get start documenting when they are coming home later. Uh, you know, changes in the things that they are doing so that you can give that information to the to the PI and they can begin to formulate a, a plan of action. Uh, and then, of course, even after they have, uh, have caught the individual, keep your cool because the first thing you, most people want to do is, you know, go throw it in their face and say, I knew it, I knew it, and I finally caught you. Yeah. And that's a lot of times that's the worst thing you can do because uh, the best thing you can do is go to an attorney and let the attorney say, all right, this is what I. This is what you you have at the moment, but this is what would really put the icing on the cake. Mm-hmm. And so there, a lot of times there may be additional information that needs to be obtained before that happens. And if, if you throw the you know throw the report and the information in their face and and breach that at that time, uh, normally they separate. A lot of times one of them will walk out and they'll go spend you know uh, start living with a relative or get an apartment or whatever, and and what happens with that is you've lost a lot of ground because while they're in the house, you can track them. You can there's documents that you can get. There's bank statements. There's all kinds of stuff that you may need during a divorce that you may not have your hands on and available to get once there's a separation. Sure. Right. Exactly. Exactly right. So, um, what would you say are the reasons people do cheat? What kinds of what kinds of reasons? If people are listening and they think maybe that's going on in their household, what signs should they look for in their own relationship with each other? Yep, absolutely. That might give them the other person a reason to cheat. Well, a lot of it is is simply convenience and change in in habits within the marriage, and so. Uh, as people get older and women are starting to, to, to discover this as well, we've all heard the term midlife crisis. Mm-hmm. Well, women are starting to, to develop this as well because traditionally in a male's life, as they get to be, you know, 40 and 45 years old, they start being reflective on, on what they've achieved. And as we mentioned, I'm fortunate. I'm in, I'm doing exactly what I wanted to do as far back as I can remember, but most people are not doing that. They sure. always think, man, I wanted to do this or I wanted to do that. And now, you know, I'm having, I got all these issues with debt and finances and my, you know, my spouse is on me about not spending money. And, and so a lot of times it's simply a re- release for them where they can go and they can have uh, some kind of communication where they're not being judged, where they don't have to have accountability, mm-hmm. you know. And and so that's what typically the midlife crisis is. Some people take it to extremes, but uh, but the bottom line is, you know, if you're if you're seeing in your own relationship where there's a lot of stress and you're battling about financial issues, and I mean, there's got to be a, a proper way to handle all that. And at the end of the day, you got to, you know, if you truly are in love and trying to keep the relationship alive, you can you can have a little skirmish throughout the day or evening or whatever but you got to remember that you got to mend that fence before before it you know starts getting broken. Mm-hmm. So uh, 
there's going to be issues in marriages. No one's doubting that. But how you handle them will determine whether or not you're pushing that individual away from you or bringing them back towards you. Yeah. And a lot of times, I guess, we're just always looking for greener pastures. Yep. You know, we have a, we typically do that, all of us, in one form or another, whether it's a new job, a new spouse, a new relationship, a new house, you know, whatever it is, we're always looking for, to better the situation. And I guess that there's, as we get older, we're concerned about losing our sex appeal. Mm-hmm. Uh, learn. Yep. Concerned about, uh, you know, wanting somebody just to pay attention to us just for who we are. Well, that's exactly right. And that's, that's where the workplace uh, relationships usually stem from because, you know, they're, they're, at, they're in a work environment and, and uh, someone's actually paying attention to them on a different level. And you're absolutely 100% right. It's, it's, it's an attention thing. We always want, everyone needs attention and wants attention. And so going back to the marriage issue, uh, that's why we need to be cognizant of that fact and realize that everyone needs a compliment. You know, remind yourself as your spouse walks out the door um, that, hey, you're looking good today. I like what you got on. Even if, you know, like me, I've got a red green color deficiency. I may have on, you know, black, <laughs> black socks with a, you know, brown suit. So, you know, I, I need my spouse to help me out with dressing sometimes, you know, but, um, uh, you know, take that extra moment and just pat them on the back. And, you know, of course, there's, are there, I don't know, what I call the serial cheaters. There are some people that just cheat. That's the, that's the way they live their life. No matter what relationship they're in or who they're married to, they're going to be cheating. I actually know, know a person like that. Um, Not that I'm related to, but I know somebody like that. Um, But don't you think that most people don't really start out to get into a relationship? It, it just kind of happens. It evolves. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're. I think you're right. The majority of people. That's exactly right. They evolve into it accidentally uh, on some levels. But but I'm like you. I mean, I've, I've known individuals personally, uh, and I have seen it in some of our clientele that are married to individuals, and it, that is their nature. I mean, their you know their their parents did it, and they were divorced, and they had a cheating father or mother or whatever the case may be, and that, that's what they. That's what they learn. It's learned behavior, and mm-hmm. uh, you mm-hmm. know, going into it. I mean, I had a had a lady not too long ago who, who, reflecting back, she said, you know, now that I realize and think about it, he cheated with me on my honeymoon. Really? Yeah. Wow. yeah. So, I mean, she she said I chose not to really bring that to the forefront and acknowledge it, but you know, now I realize that that's what he was doing, and I just chose to overlook it. Well, I, and I do think that happens a lot too. I think that's sometimes why, you know, people don't do anything about it is because they just don't want to believe it. Yeah, well, it's easier sometimes. And and what's ironic is between Thanksgiving and Valentine's Day, we actually pick up the amount of cases that we have for cheating spouses. It increases, and you'd think it'd be just the opposite. During the holidays, you're going, well, yeah, yeah, they're going to go back and be with family, and that's not the case. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Well, this this is a fascinating subject. Uh, human relationships are always fascinating, and we're complex individuals, and we need a lot of attention. <laughs> so I guess that's the message here, is if you're with somebody, give them lots of attention, yeah. um, positive attention, that is. And if I have time, real quickly, I, I uh, had a case not too long ago where we, uh, the lady had a cheating spouse, and 
And uh, so she wanted us to to uh, document this, and we put some cameras facing the doorways of her house, front and back doors, and that's all she wanted. So um, while we caught them, and uh, after catching them, she had a contract with a moving company to come in and move her out within a four-hour period, or actually within a six-hour period. So we had one of our guys watching him while he was at work to make sure he wasn't going to come home. And while moving uh, we were over there removing the cameras, and while the moving company was doing this, they had a, a bed that had a frame on it that they had to take apart. And when they took it apart, they found all of these uh, high-powered rifles and camouflage fatigues and, and uh, uh, ready-to-eat ready to meals like the military uses and bottled water and all kinds of things. And through that, we were able to discover that he was actually part of a militant group. It, and she had no idea had that no they were sleeping on all this ammunition and gunpowder oh and all this other stuff, you know. So even if you are married to an individual uh, like that for, I think she was married for five or six years, you think you know someone, sometimes they have a secret life. Exactly, exactly. Well, thank you, Kelly. We're out of time. Fascinating, though. That's a, an amazing story. And I guess that happens frequently where we really don't know who, who we're actually living with. Um, more times than we would like to think about. So um, people who are listening here to Kelly Riddle, that you might be um, one of those people that thinks your spouse is cheating, I certainly encourage you to find a qualified private investigator uh, who is licensed and insured to do your investigation. So tune in again next week as we declassify more real stories from real investigators. It's PIs Declassified. I'm Francie Kaler. Thanks so much for listening. You've been listening to P.I.'s Declassified with your host, Francie Kaler. Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern Time. That's 9 a.m. for you West Coast listeners. P.I.'s Declassified explores stories of deceit, mystery, and detectives unraveling the truth. Every Thursday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, here on the Voice America Variety Channel.